Hello and welcome once again to episode 72 of Code Completion. We're a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So it seems that next week, uh, or this week as the episode, like tomorrow, uh, when this episode comes out, uh, if you're listening to this episode late yesterday, uh, but in any case, in, at some point in time in the past, present, or future, Apple <laughs> will be unveiling uh, the second half of their transition to Apple Silicon uh, because they have a brand new event, Peak Performance. Yeah, if if you're listening to this during the event, you should probably go watch the event instead and then come back. I think that would probably be the thing if you're in the present right now. Mm-hmm. For or you can listen to event. this now and then laugh at us as far as like all the things that we just being get totally slightly wrong. wrong. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, the theory crafting is always an interesting thing to see how, you know, uh, I don't think there have been a ton of rumors kind of in general lately. Uh, but, you know, sometimes people get it spot on and sometimes uh, we're, <laughs> you know, way off. So um, I I think, you know, a few of the things that kind of come to mind and that have been circulating a little bit are like, a new iPad Air because that's been what? Let me check Mac Tracker. It's been did that last one come out in 2021 or 2020? It's been a hot minute for the iPad Air. Let's see. Yeah, October 2020. Um, so that would probably get what? Like an, an A15 chip. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. The thing with the iPads now is they all. They're in kind of an interesting place where, you know, before we had the iPad Pro and its standout feature was, uh, well, partially the larger screen, but also like Apple Pencil support. But now that's sort of trickled down to everything where uh, Mm -hmm. there isn't a huge difference between uh, like the iPad Air and the iPad Pro. You've got um, the lack of Face ID. And then I guess now if we're going to be continuing to put uh m chips in an ipad pro then there's that but uh to me it doesn't really feel like there's a huge difference i don't know yeah, not sense? to mention not to mention the ipad mini is now better and faster than the ipad air minus the screen size right yes um or i guess and battery capacity we always forget battery capacity batteries cost a ton um so yeah i would say that that is probably a given that the ipad air will be getting uh, like an update or a refresh and if it's gonna happen it'll probably be now but mm-hmm. uh i want to step back a tiny bit and like talk about the the title of the invitation that apple typically has and whatever graphics they have because sure. there's always a bunch of like people like us that are trying to read the tea leaves in any way <laughs> possible like for all we know this could be about apple devices now working better at high altitude because it's P-E-E-K instead of P-E-A-K. Um, so uh, that, like, we really have no clue how uh, or what Apple will kind of unveil. And I always wonder, does the marketing team that, like, prepares these invitations and the copy and stuff like that, do they have any clue? Or are they just basically be going over, like, after the general hype that people have in mm-hmm. terms of, like, oh, what should we name this? Because we don't have any idea. So, uh, like, we are the purest origin for not actually, like, tipping at what the reality is going to be. Um, so I always wondered, like, do you think those yeah. teams, like, know what is going to be unveiled? Or maybe they just don't. And they're just left to be creative based on what is uh, hip and trending at the moment in terms of what Apple could come out with. And they're like, oh, let's just hint in that general direction because it might be, it might not be. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, honestly, now that you bring it up, it, I think it really could be that, you know, they totally know. But at the same time, if they were just said, this is what we're calling it. Uh, here's a general idea of what we want it to be. Go make something. That would be interesting as well. Um, just looking at the kind of icon, I guess, or the, the, um, graphics for this event, you've got, you know, uh, this kind of depth tunnel of 
the Apple logo, but it's in different colors. And the last time that there were multiple colors was the event in April of 2021 when the iMac was released with all of its colors. So I think one of the um, kind of uh, things that have been circulating are new MacBook Airs that come in colors, which I think we talked about, like, wanting. Mm -hmm. If there's a reason to update the MacBook Air, um, I think it would be to add color more than to add performance. Like, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong in terms of, like, what an M1 MacBook Air is capable of. I don't think anyone really expects more of it in terms of, like, its shape and performance kind of uh, balancing game. Uh, The fact that it has no fan, like, it does what it needs to do, um, but it's using the old design. So what better time to kind of refresh that design than to give it some new processor uh, innards but like they could probably do this without giving it processor innards as well. Like I don't, I, I would say just adding colors would be a major motivating factor uh, for people to get. It. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I remember you know way back in the day, and I was I was pretty young when they announced the the original MacBook Air. You know, pulling it out of the out of the whatever they call it, the um, Manila envelope. Yeah, the Manila envelope. That was super cool. The problem pre-M1 was that they were using, like, chips that had, like, two cores, four threads at, the ma- at like, the absolute latest pre-M1. They just sucked. So I love that I can't, like, I love my MacBook Air. I love the, you know, size and everything, but it would be so cool to have, you know, like, a blue one, like the iMac, uh, like the current Oh, it has. doesn't come in blue this year. Dude, no, man, don't do that to me. They've been making blue iPhones last two years. I've been on like this blue high with Apple products, and it needs to continue because it's the best. So that Please would be enjoy our my... various range of wrong reds. <laughs> yeah, man, and like people that love the reds, like Ben, they've just been screwed out of good colors for like the last few years. It sucks, man. But that would it's be like... my guess is mm-hmm. they're. Sorry, they're they're going with uh, something colorful. I think is probably the image relation. Uh, more colorful devices. As far as like the sneak peek, I don't know. Uh, not quite as you know. Don't have much of a huge guess on that one personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go wild here. We can say that peak is all about peaking. Uh, into the virtual realm around us. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, like, maybe this is Apple's introduction to uh, the uh, the AR, VR kind of headset that they're working on. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they just want to get it out there that it exists so that way they can do all the regulatory stuff before people start, like, toying around with it. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, why not now? Uh, then it might be ready in time for WWDC to have developer units out just for developers. Um, and then, like, you're starting them off with not a surprise, here's a new device, like, what can you make in one day kind of thing, um, but more of a surprise, here's a new device. There's no SDK yet, but you can start thinking. Um, and once the SDK comes, then you can actually start implementing those ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. So... I don't see any downside to them kind of coming out with it, what, three months before WWDC is typically yeah. expected. Um, that might be enough leeway for them to do all the regulatory stuff that they would need to do with it out in the open. And then once once Dub Dub run, rolls around, then it's time for people to actually start developing for it, right? Yeah, that's an interesting idea. It definitely could be... Um... I can't remember if we talked about this on the show, but I know you have some thoughts as far as kind of the evolution of what their um, what that product would be. And I think you were thinking it would probably be some sort of like a VR, uh, specifically VR headset in the first generation, and then perhaps moving into uh, AR or something later. Is that do I am I remembering that right? Kind of yeah, I think that's what the rumors are pointing to as well. Oh. Like. As much as I would like to have, like, superpower glasses, uh, that is not going to happen 
uh, in a very soon time frame, and it's going to take a while before we get to that point. Um, but this would be like the first step to it. Um, and although I've never like owned any VR things of any sort, I am interested. It's just like the one company that makes it easy is the one company I don't want to be supporting. So uh, <laughs> yep. that is that is basically what prevents me from doing it. And I don't have like any sort of gaming PC or time mm-hmm. to indulge in such a hobby. So uh, I have not tried it or I have tried it, but I have not like pursued it um, mm-hmm. to those capacities. So if Apple were to make a standalone device that does not require a whole like computer system to have as a hobby before you can even like jump into it, then that will probably be my like personal foray into such technology. And I feel like a lot of people as well, like just look at the Apple watch, how many people just Mm -hmm. didn't care about watches up until that came along. And now we have something to track our activity. Uh, So now that's, that's like the key use for it. It's not really for timekeeping. It's for activity and then zombie notifications uh, that you keep feeling regardless of if the watch is on or not. Uh, So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, if, like, or I should say when uh, this product yeah. comes out. Because we know it will come out, like Apple's been hinting at AR forever. Uh, and as much as they want to make a show of it during past WWDCs, walking around with an iPad, looking in with this like tiny little window into a virtual space is not the way to do it. Um, and yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, I wanted to mention the um, the company who sh- shall not be named. They have a a um, device that uh, the Oculus Quest or whatever they're calling it, the Quest Two, that it's a standalone unit, so you wouldn't need a gaming PC. Um, and I think it's only using like a Snapdragon chip, like it's not anything super powerful. So if they even shoved an M1 in these things. I am sure that it would be quite powerful uh, in comparison to what's already there as like standalone units where you're not hooking it up to uh, like a gaming PC and using, you know, a full on GPU, uh, like a discrete GPU like that. So I think that it's possible to do something like that where it's standalone or maybe it, um, I want to call it AirPlay, but it's not AirPlay is to your phone type or, you know, connect somehow wirelessly to your phone through Mm -hmm. whatever. um, Like the Wii U. Load up an app. The Wii U would connect wirelessly to the home base and then it would work within like a surprising like radius around it. Um, Yeah. And that was all just using Wi-Fi and the latency wasn't that horrible, uh, all things considered. So uh, now for something like this, it needs to be much more tall. Much more with intolerances than not horrible. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it, yeah, it's definitely possible. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the avenue they'll go in. Um, sure. But, yeah, at this point, they can they can quite literally just put an A15 in it and be done. Especially if it's, yeah. like, a goggle form factor. You have plenty of room for batteries, plenty of room for a chip that doesn't need fans. Um, they'll probably need specialized displays of some sort because Apple mm-hmm. probably want to do the best thing that they can. Um, in terms of the visual part, I mean, they did pioneer retina displays and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I no, I'm out of ideas. Okay. I just wanted, like, we know that Apple comes into whatever segment really late, right? I think mm-hmm. the thing with that, like with them coming into VR, especially VR, not necessarily so much AR is they need to do it really right because if like from both past experience and just knowing other people that have this issue, um, you know, if you're not able to keep a high enough frame rate, I think the like minimum standard on a display uh, for VR tends to be about 90 FPS or so uh, of a, of a re- or 90 Hertz refresh rate. And if you drop below that, you start to get motion sick. So they'd have to, you know, I, I agree. I think they need, some high density displays, retina st- style display, but also, you know, some like promotion type of, uh, sort of refresh rate in order to make it good. And otherwise, can you imagine like the headlines where Apple's, uh, goggles are making people sick because of, you know, motion sickness, like that's just not a good look. And I don't think they do that. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, they're definitely going to need to do it well. Yeah, I think a lot of people also panic about, uh, like, number of pixels to drive and for these kinds of devices. And I think it's important to uh, characterize this a bit better in terms of if you are needing to drive, like, a ton of pixels, you don't necessarily need to drive all of those in, like, the same fidelity that mm-hmm. you would yeah. uh, otherwise. So, for instance... You can have a very high resolution display for each eye at a very high frame rate, but if all you're doing is compositing like an image ahead of time and then putting it on those pixels, then that is not necessarily eating into the same performance than you would generating a brand new image at that frame rate for all of those pixels. And what I mean by this is the ways our eyes work is you only notice like high granularity where you're looking. Um, right and your periphery is like a hot mess in terms of like what you're actually able to detect or not um so you can get away with very low rendered resolution for outside of your main focal point um and let perhaps like some eye tracking of some sort like Mm -hmm. i have no idea i'm just like uh throwing ideas out there but if you do employ some sort of eye tracking which like at least in the lab is very easy to pull off. Um, like I, I'm reminded of a of a test that people did in the lab where they would use an eye tracking implement of some sort to scan like where the user was looking in a block of text, and then they would essentially white out the text like a certain number of characters up before and a certain number of characters behind. And they would try to see like where they can white Ooh. it out to the point where no one is going to notice. No one even noticed. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and it's like two words ahead and two words be- like before. Um, it really is something like very, very... Like we really focus on something very particular. So if you could do that in a lab setting, and I'm talking about lab setting as in like university lab, they're not necessarily spending... Uh, arm and a leg to make the next technological breakthrough uh then i think apple could definitely employ uh eye tracking to go ahead and only render the part of the scene that needs that fidelity where your eyes are looking and then the rest of it can be a fuzzy mess but you'll never notice because once you shift your focus to that fuzzy mess that will render in high quality because the pixels are there um so uh, that's a long way of saying I think Apple can pull off high frame rate and high uh, pixel density, but also like get away with the performance repercussions of that fairly well just by not necessarily rendering everything that they need to. Yeah, I was actually going to mention eye tracking, and you know, you've got streamers that have like iCam uh, eye tracking software um, that will show the the. Uh, viewers where they're looking on their screen it's very much a thing that if you can do it with a webcam uh i think apple could do it somehow with you know a camera that's one inch away from your eyes and you know the distance is always going to be the same i i don't think there's a technical challenge there so i mean they they quite literally have the technology for this for like baked into macs for accessibility use uh but also face id like Face ID quite literally uses this to detect if you're looking at the device to keep it awake or not. So I could definitely see some some simple little Face ID trackers inside of there to go ahead and like identify what you're looking at in terms of like an ocular range, uh, and then go ahead and only render that part in high fidelity. Yeah, I don't know if you'd be able to do this. Kind of an interesting thought with that is I don't know. I really understand how the eye works, but you know, how your eyes, or I feel like my eyes, you know, cross a little bit when I'm trying to look at something close, if that makes sense, or maybe not, Mm -hmm. if they could do something like, um, for the focal. Yeah. If they could do something like depth, even where Mm -hmm. if there's something right in front of your face in VR that it focuses on that and blurs everything out and vice versa, um, that may be more technically challenging, but it would be cool. I don't know. Yeah, Depends, I mean, I guess on, on how quality the you know how well they can track your eye. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, if you're doing it per eye, then like, why wouldn't you have this? Because one of the biggest like headache-inducing parts of 3D movies for me is the fact that what I'm looking at is not necessarily what I'm interested in focusing in mm-hmm. on. Uh, and that's because the the makers of the movie, they decided, oh, this is going to be in focus. Um, and that's baked in. Like the 3D aspects of the movie is just two images that are being given to each of your eyes. So you don't really have any control over focusing or refocusing that scene uh, because you can't re-render the movie like for every person that's watching it um, like at the same time. It's just not possible. Uh, so... In this situation, you absolutely can re-render the scene based on like what you're looking at, so you can pull that off. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm I guess I'm like super interested and fascinated, and probably like overhyping myself for something that's not even going to be released, or if it is released, it's not going to have <laughs> any of these features, uh, and then I'll be disappointed. I don't know, um, but uh, there's two parts to Apple's invitation. There's peak, which what we just discussed, and performance. And obviously, if we're going to be talking about performance, it's all about 5G. 5G, 5G, 5G. Oh, that will live on <laughs> rent-free in my brain forever, forever, for sure. It's the best. I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, let's be real. It's not 5G, but it's the next iteration of the M series, right? And then I think, you know, it's we're going to get like an A16 chip or whatever in, in the M. Um, in the fall, but are we mm-hmm. on are we on A fifteen right now? I forget. A fifteen, yeah. So A fifteen would technically be the M two, right? Sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um so that okay, so an interesting thing is um I watched a video this week from Snazzy Labs where they took a Mac Mini mm-hmm. an M one Mac Mini and shrunk it down by I think it was seventy eight percent. Um, and you've probably seen a teardown of the Mac Mini where it's there's freaking hollow. There's yeah. nothing in it. And it's got this the giant power supply 100- and a flat little board and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's got this giant 100 watt power supply because they already had them from old Mac Minis. Not that the M1 needs 100 watts of power. No, so uh, you do need that for the Thunderbolt. So if you're going to make a promise about having being able to support um, these number of ports, okay. you need to be able to support that amount of power. So okay, it's not that's com- fair. it's not completely like oh this computer is never going to use any of that. Well, yeah, if you connect all the Thunderbolt things to power hungry stuff, you need to be able to to um, deliver on that promise. Okay, all right, all right. Any regardless, it's it, the chassis is huge, and so I see kind of two branching paths where they could go either path or maybe both. Uh, where they shrink the Mac Mini to a smaller Apple TV-ish size, like they've t- like they've been talking about in the rumors, um, and or they throw a you know M1 Pro, M1 Max in there in the current chassis with more robust cooling, so it can actually handle it uh, in theory. Where you know even with the M1 Max, realistically, I never hear my fans kick on in, in my MacBook Pro, but in theory, you know, you may need that cooling performance. So they would have the um, <laughs> the space to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I can see it going either or both ways. Yeah, I guess if they have a Mac Mini that does not have ports, or like just one Thunderbolt port, um, then like there's no reason why they couldn't go the Apple TV route, right? Because they don't have to deliver on that power promise. Maybe they use uh, fancy nickel gallium power supplies, whatever they're yeah, called. Yeah, gallium, gallium nitride, I think. Gallium nitride, there you go. Um, I'm making up chemicals, as it seems, <laughs> for battery technology. Uh, but if they use the gallium nitride uh, power like method of making power supplies, maybe they can make mm. a 100-watt power supply way smaller, or they just forego ports, and then you have a simpler, smaller, uh, snazzier uh, Mac Mini. Uh, and, uh, that would, that that would be really cool, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see them coming in colors. I think, I don't know, you know, it would be really interesting now that we're kind of on that topic to see, uh, how many people buy the least expensive, um, MacBook Air versus the least expensive Mac Mini, because while they are cheaper, you know, you still, it's bring your own keyboard, mouse, uh, display and everything so i think 
the thing that would definitely get the next color treatment is going to be the MacBook Air. But also if, you know, you've got a bunch of people buying like base level Mac minis. Sure. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm definitely not uh, a typical example of a Mac mini user in terms of like what normal people would use a Mac mini for. Uh, but from an enthusiast, like Mac minis are really neat little servers and sometimes having more of them is useful and getting a whole bunch of colored iMacs or MacBook MacBook Airs is like not reasonable for a single person but Mm. if you have a hobby that involves like (laughs) messing around with servers and stuff uh then getting a whole a whole uh, collection of colored Mac minis uh that might be really neat um so not saying that uh, that will happen, or I will buy a bunch of colored Mac Minis. Uh, but I will be very, very tempted uh, if colored Mac Minis were unveiled. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess the people at like Mac Stadium will be upset that the shape changed because they probably have like a super ironed out system for putting them on shelves at this point. Um, no yeah, uh, but like having a faster Mac Mini that's like always welcome in terms of. It opens up what you can do with it. Um, I'm a bit worried about like Mac OS because my little Mac Mini that I have at home, uh, which is basically my home server, needs to be just restarted like often, just because it doesn't want to write to disks anymore, and that's a shame. Like that shouldn't ever be the case. I should just be able to leave this thing run indefinitely, uh, and then like. Yeah, with minimal babysitting, that that used to be the case, but it is no longer the case with modern macOS. So, uh, hopefully, one day that will change. I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think this would ever happen, but um, you know, with like um, Ubuntu, for example, um, it has like two versions. It's always got kind of like a, a more bleeding not bleeding edge but a more you know feature rich um version and then it's got like the long time support version of of the operating system it would be interesting to have kind of like a not legacy version but like a more uh stable branch almost of mac os which apple would probably never admit to you know saying oh we have bugs in the latest version of monterey or whatever but uh something for more enterprisey things like mac stadium or uh, in your case, your home server or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I doubt it's going to ever happen. Yeah, um, me too. We, we have a higher chance of Apple just fixing the bugs and the operating system that prevent you from leaving it on and definitely doing stuff uh, than true. them actually having a second version of their operating system. I mean, they used to have Mac OS X server, which was a different right. version of the OS, which did have different knobs turned to make it better suited for this kind of thing. Um, and then over time, they had less and less of a need for it. So Mac OS X server became the server app, um, right. like on its own. And it no mm-hmm. longer needed, like at first it would install components, but little by little, it no longer needed to really install anything into the OS to give it extra functionality. Um, and that worked for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, it seems like we are back at where we were before, where you do need a different version of the OS to be able to better support those kind of things, which is yeah. unfortunate. I mean, to your, to your point, this is on a much less kind of much less, um, annoying scale, but, um, this MacBook pro has been, uh, continuing with my woes of my display compatibility with this stupid screen that I have. Um, it tends to freak out a lot less with the more recent versions of Mac OS, which I've been very happy about. And I, I guess I found a cable that works. Uh, but one thing that I'll notice is if I leave it on for a week, it's fine. Uh, with like waking up the display or turning on picture by picture or whatever. But after that, sometimes uh, it won't actually refresh the screen. I have to mash the keyboard, you know, hit the control key a few times for it to wake up. Um, and then a week later, I have to unplug the uh, display cable and plug it back in in order for it to recognize mm-hmm. things. So, uh, do the re- technology advance, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, restarting always will fix it, but you know, having to turn it off and on again isn't always fun. 
even though mm -hmm. I should probably turn my computer off sometimes. So there's yeah, definitely I mean, some stability problems just longer term leading yeah, to longer term. That that was always like a selling point to me for Macs. Like I could I would have my iMac on and my like iMac uh G5, not 5G. Um my iMac G5, I would just have it on for a year. Like uh -huh. Apple would not ship updates all that often. Uh we had dial up so I would not have any chance of downloading such updates anyways. Um so it would just be on. And right. when a brownout happened or a power outage, that would be the time when I restarted it. But it worked. <laughs> like, it had no problem having tons of windows open in Safari. Yes, there'd be a random website every now and then that would crash Safari. That's just part of, like, life back then uh, before we had several processes for everything. But things were stable. Uh, so mm -hmm. I wonder if, like, a lot of the newer practices that we do for security kind of got in the way of that stability um, and the fact that we do churn over so many more processes nowadays, maybe that does run the counter a little bit faster for how long you can keep your system on. Um, because I definitely feel even with my like brand new top of the line MacBook Pro that I love very much, like I can get it to slow down. Like I'm the cursed mm -hmm. computer user that just will open enough windows eventually. Um, and then the system will just like not be happy with me. Uh, and yeah, I, I come to terms with that. Like that is just a life that I lead. I will not get into the habit of closing windows as soon as I open them. Um, and eventually get to the point where nothing is moving and then I really have to go and close through them and it takes forever to close through them. But that's just, that's just how it is. It's amazing that you can bring such a behemoth to its knees so <laughs> easily and consistently. I, I honestly think it might be my iCloud account. Like, just having a bunch of tabs open on other computers might be enough to, like, confuse Safari and be like, I need to have these resources available right now. Uh, and the, my my user's going to be mad at me if I don't have them right now. So they're 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 ready uh, anytime. And then, yeah, that, that will bring a brand new computer installation to its knees, unfortunately. Nice. <laughs> um, so, okay, so let's talk about... Um, if we get a new MacBook Air, you kind of mentioned um, perhaps there's like a new chip in it. We may get like an M2. Um, and uh, similarly with maybe a Mac Mini. Um, do you think they're going to put, well, the, and they'd probably, I suppose, put that in um, an iMac. Do you think we're going to get like an, an iMac Pro with an M1 Max and Pro? And or do you think we're going to get like the next iteration of the Pro and Max uh, M series chips? Or do you think they're going to wait because these ones, the M1 Pro and Max just came out? Yeah, that's, that, a, that was that's like a good question. Questions. <laughs> yeah, so so part of it is like M2 is right around the corner. Like mm. it's been around the corner since the A15 came out. Uh, so do we just go with an M2, but then the Mac Pro has like an M1 uh pro max duo or something like even if you like smack duo on the end of that uh it feels older now mm -hmm. uh, because the m2 is a thing um where the the sentiment you want for such a chip is for that one to be the fastest possible one i think a lot of people are like saddened by xeon chips even though they're like slow and steady and come out and then they're like rock solid from that point forward they are always like a step behind the consumer stuff where I feel like a lot of people would hope that um, Apple's top tier pro stuff would be a step ahead of the consumer stuff. And then you get the consumer stuff a little bit later. Um, and that kind of motivates their price. It motivates uh, early adopters kind of getting them. Um, and even though we don't have a Mac Pro yet, I feel like it would be like a better marketing move for Apple to say, hey, you can get the M2 MacBook Air right now, um, or you can get the M2 Pro Duo uh, as a brand new Mac Pro, you know? So it doesn't come off as here's an older, like, thing. This is the top tier thing. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe they have that at the end of the event as, like, a one more thing. Like, to, it's not immediately available, but, like, you can order it this summer, um, or whatnot, the last day of December, as they have done during the past last few revisions. <laughs> um, 
I think that would be that would be a, a neater thing to have um, than for at the end of December for us to get an M1 Pro Duo MacBook Pro. No, not MacBook, mm-hmm. Mac Pro. Mac Pro. Lots of words. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because bigger number better. Always. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's but, how our brains work. <laughs> yeah, no, and to be fair, I agree with you. I think that kind of... Uh, perception is huge so that is fair or okay so what about a um would they call it like a mac pro mini well i guess it would still be like the m1 pro and max or do you think they are going to do something with like a duo chip where there's two of them or something yeah so so that has also been like hinted where we have two types of mac pros we have a smaller one and a larger one I think the benefit of the larger one is not that the Intel CPU needed more space. It was that it allowed more expandability, right? Absolutely. Um, So I'm not sure that Apple necessarily wants to get rid of that, especially when you have plenty of pro users who praised it for that. Like that was exactly what they wanted. They filled it up uh, and they use it to its capacity. Um, and I, I would assume that those pro users still still exist. That said, yeah. all the cards that they're using are probably not compatible with Apple Silicon anyways. So with that, it's it's definitely a question as far as like what that expandability will look like in the Apple Silicon world. Um, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's the, the short answer. Maybe Maybe they have an Intel chip in there just to talk to these chips. Uh, or to these expansion ports, and then the main the main guts of the machine run on the Apple Silicon. Uh, that could be like a way around it. Um, it'll be a silly way around it, but it's it is a way around it. Yeah, like a hybrid Intel. Uh, yeah, like Apple Silicon and x86. That'd be interesting. And I guess more than x86, it's just the Intel. I don't know. That that's the thing though. It, would Rosetta be able to translate everything? All of those, I, I, I Well, they can make it so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if the Rosetta has been great, I mean, there have been a, very few apps that I've had to run in Rosetta too, but they've worked great. And there's like, mm-hmm. aside from that longer startup time, it seems to work fine even on the MacBook Air. So if they can communicate, you know, I, I'm sure developers would have to release some sort of maybe just Apple Silicon version instead of it having to translate. I don't know. But I think like, especially for audio engineers that have, you know, audio PCIe cards or whatever, that's huge. Not so much. Maybe the, um, well, the GPUs too, I suppose. But yeah, I I don't, I don't think we'll necessarily get more GPU like expandability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for other use cases where like the the PCIe has a specialized purpose, uh-huh. I definitely think that Apple can probably make them compatible, especially with like endianness and stuff like that. Um, like the M1 is technically PCIe four, right? Right. That is just like part of it. Um, so it talks it talks the language, um, but. Will it be able to have compatibility with those cards? I don't know what software-wise, like, that compatibility looks like in terms of, like, what do you... Do you just address a different memory space and you are talking to the card at that point? Because then, yeah, software can just run whether it's Rosetta or not. It'll just be able to continue talking with those cards. And I'm sure Apple can has the hardware engineering prowess to allow that to happen, like in a backwards compatible way Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean it could happen it just didn't happen yet so we have no idea right (laughs) right i think it's a cool idea to have kind of two mac pros because like you're saying some people probably absolutely love the current mac pro because of the expandability but also maybe if you're just a video editor and all you need is like hardware decoding and encoding that exist on the m series chips now like you don't care about anything else. You don't even need the afterburner card. So having mm-hmm. a smaller version with no expandability or maybe very little uh, would be really cool. I would love to see like a mini 
Mac Pro, it, like the same yeah. chassis, just minified. That would be the cutest thing cards. ever, and I would buy it. Like so maybe much. just two of them. Um, yeah, and and all the power that the that the full size Mac Pro can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would probably be ideal. Um, that said, the the Mac Pro isn't that big. Like if you ever wander off to an Apple store uh, in the zombie land that we uh, are currently find ourselves. Uh, then you you can like they t- tend to have at least one on on the mm-hmm. uh, on display uh, hidden in a corner nowadays, um, and uh, it's it's quite small as far as like y- yeah. it looks very large in the marketing shots and in person is not the Pro Display XCR makes it look tiny <laughs> by, yeah, because well, it's right great. next to it. Um, so yeah, I, I I definitely think they can go smaller. They can probably relive their uh, G4 Cube dreams um, in terms of Oof. like actually pulling that off now as possible. Um, but I think it would be foolish of them to forego the professional space that does want like the system that can support anything and everything. Probably yeah. even more like PCI lanes if they can. Like if the if there's room for an extra two slots, then go for it. You know. Yeah, I think they could. I don't know. I don't really know how it works, and I'm it's total speculation here. But you've got like Xeons and the um, the Epic AMD's Epic. Yeah, and they you know I think the latest ones have something like a hundred and four uh, lanes of PCIe, where general consumer chips have like twenty. Um, I'm sure Apple could throw, you know, some more PCI lens in to to match yeah, a, what the current It's a lot Intel of wiring. That's about it, right? It's it's all yeah. wiring. Come on, yeah. Apple. It's the I easy. mean, it's not like I can the transistor. Solder. You can solder. <laughs> it's not like the transistors are the size of an atom or approaching so yet. I mean, come on. Just don't sneeze. Just don't sneeze <laughs> and they won't move. <laughs> oh man, it's crazy though to see like older, like super old processors that the gold wires are literally soldered, and you can see that. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, we have come a long way in not much time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in terms of what's left, um, I think some people are hoping for an iPhone SE. I mean, that's that's the back to the five G joke. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else they'd update about it other than new processor and. 5G, 5G, 5G. Um, <laughs> I guess are they at, is Apple at the point where they can have their own 5G chip because they they did buy Intel's unit. Um, they are sensibly working on that, right? Yeah, it could be. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. The SC2. I didn't even realize that the SC2 doesn't have uh, have 5G. I just kind of took that for granted at this point. So yeah, that would be cool um you know maybe a um was it i can't remember when it was when they released the um the purple iphone color kind of like mid-cycle that would be kind of cool to have um a new color along with that um i don't know if we're missing like purple or anything from the current iphone lineup but you know something to kind of carry them until fall it's always what it's always missing a color yeah, yeah, a pink, blue, midnight, starlight, and red. Currently, so yeah, like a, I don't know, maybe an orange. Oh, I would like an orange. I know you would. <laughs> it's, I I would like a non-gold orange. I know that's like yeah. a, a weird ask when gold is essentially orange, um, but they are different. Um, most notably, the orange iMac is very, very orange, but not gold. So, and the yellow one is very, very yellow, but not gold. So they, right. they tiptoed that line very, very nicely. Um, I, I am a happy owner of my orange iMac. Um, that said, uh, what else is there? So there is also talk of a new M2 MacBook Pro, which would be a low-end MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this is just to replace the aging, the aged model that is currently there taking up the low end spot yeah i think it'll be interesting to see what they do with that because that macbook pro with the touch bar is like this weird middle child now where it's basically a macbook air with the touch bar slapped on it uh and the rest of the mac pros macbook pros have moved on so um 
I wouldn't put it past them to just kind of nix the MacBook Pro from having the base M series chip and just put that in the uh, the MacBook Air as like the M2 MacBook and that's it. Mm-hmm. Pro so you have a thousand dollar computer. Go. Yeah. So you have a thousand dollar MacBook Air and then you have the two thousand five hundred MacBook Pro. Um, and you can probably just tune up your MacBook Air to MacBook Pro prices and then feel like the MacBook Pro would be the better deal, right? Yeah, it seems like maybe a a lot of a gap, but it seems weird to have a MacBook Pro that's, again, like a weird middle child, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it does have other benefits over the MacBook Air in terms of, like, much longer battery just because it's a larger chassis um the touch bar which we shall not speak of it again yes uh based on apple's uh recent like spin on it um and yeah better speakers um true than the macbook air uh probably better display in terms of just brightness raw quality yeah um so i could see a lower end like middle ground MacBook Pro be a thing and maybe it just borrows the 14 inches like chassis mm. everything except the processor and then the processor is just an M2 yeah they call it the MacBook Pro Sumer <laughs> that would be a perfect cuz that just rolls off the tongue that's very apple mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it might be confusing if you have like an M2 MacBook Pro that's 2K and then an M1 Pro MacBook Pro that's 2.5K. That too. That'd be a little like awkward because as you said, what was it? Bigger number better? Bigger bigger number better. I mean, at at the same time, Apple's kind of known for having just like way too many products and they've kind of done a really good job lately to like... um, bring that down but i think at a, at one time a couple of years ago they had like six or seven different versions versions of an iphone or something it was just it got out of hand and so it's not like they're not known for doing that it, it's definitely mm-hmm. possible but i think this generation will kind of set the precedent where the m1 series was you know it's the very first series and so it's kind of like we're trying to make this work with this transition but at this point um I think they'll probably solidify kind of what it's going to be going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess the same question goes to the Mac Mini. Do we get an M, Mac Mini M2, Mac Mini M1 Pro? Um, yeah. Maybe both. Uh, maybe now both. is a good time to nix the form factor uh, that they had, as we said. Uh, they'll probably be able to nix the... Uh, the um, actually... Okay, I'm I'm pretty convinced the Mac Mini will be an M1 Pro slash Max, just in terms of port capacity, and I think that the Pro slash Max line is going to come with. Here are a bunch of extra ports that it can support. Okay. Instead of the M1 slash M2 line, which will be like limited ports, great uh, performance for battery usage, um, and it's like the baseline. So that means that, that we'll we'll keep the M1 Mac Mini, um, or even update. Did the M1 Mac Mini come out with the MacBook Air? Um, yes. In okay. November, so yeah. then, okay. So then I say we, if I, I'm running Apple here, <laughs> we keep uh, we nix the Mac Minis, the current lineup. We have a new M2 Mac Mini. That's the baseline. We have an M2. Oh no, we wouldn't get an M2 Pro yet. That's the thing, right? Ah, right? oh, darn. Uh, it's um, weird, yeah. Well, Unless no, just... we might get an M2 Pro because the Mac Pro might get an M2 Pro because, as you said, bigger number better. Um, yep. So the Mac Pro gets an M2 Pro Duo. Uh, the Mac Mini is an M2 M2 Pro, which is just an M1 Pro, but like they made it a little better, I guess. Um, yeah. And... Uh, that one like represents the full range where you have a Mac Mini with no ports or a Mac Mini with lots of ports um, and way more expensive. Uh, then the MacBook Pros, those are kind of like half a year ago, so they stay. 
Um, mm-hmm. The MacBook Air, that's an M2. Mac Pro, that would be an M2 Pro slash Pro Max slash Max Duo slash Max Quad, whatever they call those things. Um, and then we're in a happy state because it's going to be a, a while before like the M series gets a revision again. It seems like every two years. So no one's going to be able to tell the real difference between an M1 Pro and an M2 Pro. Um, like they might just literally tweak some numbers, um, or just do a process shrink and that's, that's all there is to it. Um, maybe, I don't know. You're saying for this, uh, event. Yeah, just uh, replace everything. (laughs) I mean, if they were to just like squeeze out the, you know, the M2, great, probably possible M2 Pro and Max and Duo and Quad that would be amazing. I would be flabbergasted. Uh, but, the, but so the thing it would is, be nice to have be... them all at the same time. And I, yeah. that's like the cleanest solution for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and even if the, the Mac Pro like isn't coming out yet, maybe the Mac Mini Pro isn't coming out yet. Um, and those are just like, here's a preview of what to expect sure. uh, kind of thing. Um, that way they can just say it's done in terms okay. of like the transition. Um, and then like they can move on to, to going over like the iPhone SE, which they care very much about. Um, because like without this, I, I find myself kind of, I don't know what the word is, but I don't find myself as excited if it's just like an MacBook Air M2. Yeah. And like, I'd be super pumped for the colors, but I don't really care about the M2 aspect of it. Um, so the only way for people to care about the M2 aspect of it, I would say, would be to also have the rest of the M2, like, family. Just mm-hmm. because, like, if I were using a MacBook Air uh, for its use, I wouldn't want necessarily the faster performance, right? Like, I wouldn't need it. Um, yeah. It- that's such an interesting thing. What a time to be alive where we're like, I don't need the the performance of the next generation. Because you're right. I don't need more performance in, you know, my MacBook Air. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, that what like, you're saying? Or am I getting that wrong? Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely it. Because the MacBook Pro exists. Um, yeah. And for those people that absolutely needed more performance than a MacBook Air, a faster MacBook Air was not the solution. They like needed drastically more performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore they jumped to the, the awesome thing that is the M1 Pro and Max MacBook right. Pros. Um, but that means that there's like this weird, like no man's land between people who are more than happy with the M1, uh, yeah. in like the MacBook Air form factor. Um, and people who needed more than that, which probably all moved over to the M1 Pro slash Max. Yep, so, so like, what is the point of an M2 as, like, a pull factor other than, like, just year over year making things better, obviously? Um, but what is, like, I think it needs a little bit more than just, like, we made it faster. Um, yeah. Which is probably I'll... why they're going to also have colors. Because that will do yeah. it, regardless of if the processor changed. But if that's going to do it, regardless of if the processor changed, was the processor change necessary? Okay, uh, a couple things. I think <laughs> if they changed the color, I'd be super happy. But also, if they like threw on like one USB A port and maybe an SD card reader on the. But as we said, Air. M1 and M2 don't have extra stuff. Okay. All right. But, uh, <laughs> they're the iphones of the mac world they have their one one port and then they're happy with it all right fine (laughs) the thing with like the the no change year over year is scary because like that's what intel did for like a decade not to say that apple's gonna do that but if they get complacent and just be like ah this is our lowest chip we don't care uh to me that's a little scary um Mm -hmm. no i I get that i get that but going back to the tea leaves like this is about performance right sure the m2 is not the not the flag holder of performance yeah i feel like 
So okay, so you're you're saying peak performance, it's like they're just gonna go out of the gate with the Pro and Max, the M two Pro and Max as well. The, I think they would have to because again, we we did last year's transition. We got to M one Pro and Max, and the M one Pro and Max, we're gonna need to beat it in some way to yeah. kind of finish off the transition. And whether this that's for the Mac Pros or the iMac, which we didn't even talk about, so like hey. We need a new iMac. We'll probably talk about it a little bit, um, but like that needs that needs some the, some high powered guts. Um, unless it's just an AK, hey, we put the M2 in the iMac, uh, and look, we were able to put three thunder or four Thunderbolt ports instead of the two, um, right. and that's the only difference between the twenty four inches. Instead of two Thunderbolt and two USB, you have four Thunderbolt, and that's just that. Maybe that's what they're going for. No more ports, he said. Remember? Well, if it's it's an M2, no more extra ports, just four Thunderbolt ones. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's like all we get out of an M2. I don't know. I don't know. I guess even if they kept like the same core count and even just like bumped up the clock speed or something. Yeah, I mean, I they can make it six performance to um, yeah to uh, efficiency. efficiency. Like, even if they did that and it's still like an M1 under the hood, that would make it faster, right? Yeah, that's Um, fair. Or really, like you said, even if they do move to like a different, uh, smaller process node, there's inherent performance gains with that, even if the architecture is the same. Yeah. Or at least heat performance, so better power efficiency. Yeah. Which would be good in like an air. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so then I guess that leads us to the iMac, which we just glossed over yeah um apple apple used to make two different size imacs a 24 inch and a 27 inch now they have a 24 and a half inch um is it 24 and a half or is it still 24 it's still 24 but it's a 4.5k display um so next they'll have a likely 27 to maybe 32 inch range maybe it's a 5k maybe it's a 6k is it mm-hmm. thicker? Are there more ports on it? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like uh, I, I feel like we're going in circles here. We are. Um, what would the ideal like consumer iMac that is larger be? I guess the ideal consumer iMac is a 24-inch one. And then uh, a larger yeah. one is just the same thing but larger, maybe? It, yeah, honestly, if it's just like larger and, you know, with that a higher resolution display, that's all you need. Like there's, we're at the point where it's like, oh, there's more uh, mass, so there's more thermal headroom to put a faster i7 in it or whatever. It's like just throw the M2 in it and you're good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a 32 inch would be really interesting. I personally, 27 for me is like the sweet spot for uh, size. 32 is so nice. I was I was gonna say, <laughs> but I can definitely see it moving in the direction of like. 32 kind of becoming more of the norm where uh well they didn't really up the size of the uh smaller iMac but if they i don't know 24 to 32 seems like a big jump though maybe they do three three iMacs maybe they do three yeah that would be cool so you have a m1 iMac you have the m2 iMac and then you have the m1 pro uh which confuses everyone but apple's good at confusing everyone so maybe that's what they go with maybe that's what we should have been like going after this whole time is not what would make sense, but what would confuse everyone. Yes, that is the true Apple way. <laughs> the the um, I, I think I've asked this before, but the um, Pro Display XDR is 32 inches, right? Yes, 32 inches. It's quite thick, so it's like almost an inch thick. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel thick because you never look at the thickness. Because it's um, fine, yeah. Yeah. And like... As much as it would be cool to look at the back, you also never look at the back, I guess, unless you're in, like, an open floor plan. Yeah. Um, But aren't the... I mean, they're so thick because they need, like, so much cooling because it has, like, a gnarly peak brightness, right? Like, you wouldn't need to make an iMac that thick just because of the size of the display. Yeah, so they improved on the display technology for the MacBook Pros. It's essentially kind of the same thing. Right. um, Where you have all those LEDs, but those LEDs are now more power efficient. Um, so they don't need as much cooling um, 
and they don't need as much space uh, to actually like reflect. Um, and I feel like a lot of it was just the amount of space that they needed to kind of project the light um, into those little kind of cones and then to have the cooling capacity behind it. So if you can get rid of the space, then the cooling capacity is probably minimal, mm -hmm. um, if at all. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I guess, does that mean IMAX get uh, Pro Display X, uh, Pro, what's it called? Promotion? Uh, maybe. It would be interesting, maybe on that like iMac Pro size one, the 32-inch or something, to have promotion. I could see that. It's, I was, I was thinking about that earlier now with the, um, the MacBook pro that has promotion, but also the iPhone, I don't even notice it anymore. It took me about one week, maybe two, uh, to stop noticing the 120 Hertz. And now it just feels like a normal display to me. <laughs> like it's cool, but at the same time, uh, I'm not doing anything that really merits 120 Hertz, uh. Mm -hmm. refresh rate, and so and as someone who has his laptop like connected right underneath his big monitor um i do not notice at all any discrepancies between the two of them um oh so like even side by side which was the killer with retina uh right. retina like absolutely spoiled you side by side uh but even side by side the promotion is like hard to notice that said, like, there are situations where you do notice it, and that's has to deal with, like, gaming and stuff. Um, sure. So maybe yeah. the iMac, the big iMac is the gaming system if it does have this. Maybe. Probably be expensive, um, which makes it not a gaming system. Um, <laughs> well, not that. Or not a gaming very... enthusiast system. Um, <laughs> yeah. Only pro gamers. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, only programmers allowed on the Apple iMac. Yeah, that's that's yeah the because they're the move. only ones who can who can professionally afford it for what they're doing. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's just an enthusiast crowd, and no one's really <laughs> making money off playing games. Uh, let's be practical here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm saying I don't know a lot because I don't. It's all speculation, and that's okay. Uh, so that's the name of the game. Okay, so to tie the speculation up with a pretty little bow, if Apple were to have three device announcements and then mm -hmm. one bonus, what would those be? Um, colored MacBook Airs. Mm -hmm. I don't care what the chip is. I guess M2. Um, updated Mac Mini. iPhone SE for the three main ones. So we're covering Mac and, and iOS there. Maybe an iPad? Oh, crap. Okay, MacBook, yeah, MacBook Air, iPhone SE, and iPad Air. Uh, and then the one more thing is the announcement of the M2 Pro and Max devices. Just kind of in general, like, hey, we've got these coming later. That's my Very interesting. What about, so what about that's, you? That's basically exactly what I was going to say. They're going to okay. have the stupid <laughs> iPad and the stupid iPhone SE that no one's going to care about to yeah. lead off of. Um, and then there's going to be like the colorful MacBook Airs. Um, and then to the distant future, uh, I guess to change it up so that way it's interesting so we can find out tomorrow slash yesterday slash in a week, depending on who is listening to this when. Um, uh, I'll go ahead and say... Uh, and also we have a brand new Mac mini form factor and the poor iMac is just left to wander for another languish, languish for another nine months. Uh, and same for the Mac pro <laughs> Mac. Yeah. We just don't hear of them. Uh, Honestly, as much as I want to hear of them, we just don't hear of them. And we get iPhone SE, iPad air, uh, MacBook air and Mac mini as like the final the final thing. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> so this week's episode of Code Completion is brought to you by Weekly Swift Exercises. Learning Swift, there's no substitute for practicing. There's dozens, literally dozens of people Fernando's mentored through different programs, and he's seen it time and time again. After you learn the basics of programming, you slow down because learning through experience is demanding and painful. Increasing your confidence is key, and there's an easy way to do it. Practice. 
Fernando's weekly exercises help you practice concepts like closures and protocols while implementing actual features like dark mode. It's free to join. Besides the exercises, Fernando sends one or two articles about learning Swift. Some are technical in nature, but most of them will help you in your career by teaching you things like best practices, working as a team, and getting ready to get your first job. Thanks again to Fernando and Weekly Swift Exercises for sponsoring Code Completion. Go to twitter.com slash swift exercises today to learn more. So as always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. And feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buniel, that's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.